to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm a writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bray Rand, actor, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about literature from the United Kingdom and interviewing writer and podcaster Claire Hanscom. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I just finished a book that is fulfilling something on my Read Harder Challenge, which now I'm like down to the wire. I have to like really just keep reading. Although I'm two months left, Bria. I know, I know. But I started reading something that's not going to fulfill anything, which was, I don't know, maybe a mistake. Um, but I finished a book. Uh, I finished Behold the Dreamers, which was my Oprah's book club book um, by Mbolo Mbue. And... I, it had been on my list already, my wish list. It was one of those books that, like, I felt like people kept recommending it to me so much that I would go to the library, type it in, and be like, no, that's already on my wish list. Like, because it was like, I checked more than a few times to make sure it was on my wish list because people kept recommending it. And there's a reason. It is incredible. It was amazing. It's about um, um, an, in, two immigrants from Cameroon um, coming to America during the financial crisis of 2008. Oof. Um, well, they've been there. They've been there, but uh, basically, one gets a job working for a guy who is uh, works for Lehman Brothers, and so it's this like really interesting uh, experience of the financial crash during that time and the housing market crash and all of those things. Um, and it's just so well written. It's one of those books where you're just like, Oprah, you got good taste. Like good job, <laughs> Oprah. Oprah, there's a reason. You're Oprah. There's a reason you're doing so well. Someone give this lady a TV show. She might have good taste. <laughs> you got a bright future, Oprah. Yeah. Any, I mean, it was great in all ways. It was moving. It was heartwarming. It was, like, disastrous, obviously, like, with the, in a lot of ways and really sad. Um, but, like, you really, the main characters were so great and you really got to know them. And it was their, like, ex- experience working mostly for this this white family who were, was, uh, uh, the man worked, the husband worked for the Lehman Brothers. For Lehman, the Lehman Brothers? Lehman Brothers? I don't know anything about the finances. Neither do I. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's, and and about their experience at home and about their relationship, which is really interesting. And like, yeah, it was so fantastic. I like couldn't put it down. I was literally rabbit sitting for a friend and I would just go over there and lay on the floor and read the book. To the rabbit. To no, the rabbit didn't want to hear it. <laughs> not interested. Are, are there any, are there any lettuce in that book? Nope, not interested. <laughs> What are you reading? I am listening to the audiobook of Jello Girls, a family it's history on my list. by Ali Robottom. It is wicked good. So it's like a memoir slash history of the Jello fortune and like all of the women in the in the family. And they have this like some kind of weird um, curse that befalls the women in the family that they get sick and they end up dying. Um, and like the crazy story of like how the fortune started and like how it was all like basically jello is like the perfect symbol of the patriarchy because it's preying on women's fears of like not being domestic enough and being able to take care of their families and like jello is so quick and easy to make and it's re- so it's a really fascinating history of like um, domesticity in America and this woman's life and like her because it's her mother also started writing a memoir but died before she could finish it so it's partly her mom's story too and it's really well written the right like the writing on a sentence level is incredible um she reads the the author Allie Robottom reads the audiobook so it's extra cool and yeah I really really like it it's really really fascinating you know what's interesting about that is that when you said that I was like wow any like huge food that you're like aware huge of food. huge food you know like a cheerios or a big brand yeah big brand they all have like you could say the like you know 
General Mills fortune. And I you forget that they probably have a fortune behind them somewhere. Oh, yeah. Someone has made so much money off of like, you know, uh Hershey's or whatever. Yeah, people buy a lot of jello yeah. still. Which is weird because I never liked jello. Oh, I loved it as a kid. Actually, my mom just and I were talking yesterday about a pistachio jello thing she used to make. She read the recipe, she found an old recipe, and it's super disgusting. It was like pistachio jello, two things of whipped cream, pineapples. I can't remember what else was in it. But you like make it into a giant bowl and you just like just scoop it up. Hard pass. <laughs> oh, wait, you know what? It was pistachio pudding. Never mind. Yep. Scratch that. <laughs> Very close line between well, jello makes pudding too. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Jello, it's like Jello pudding. Jello's controlling everything we do. Jello makes pudding. Next thing they know, you know, they're gonna make computers. They're gonna <laughs> make cars. It's a Jello car. It's a Jello car. Very uncomfortable. I drive that. <laughs> I would not. You Too get wet. in every time you get out, you're just like covered in Jello. Like your you're books. Just, what are you gonna do? Does Jello stain? I'm Could not you use gonna Jello test to it get a, a sticker off of a book. <laughs> I don't think it's oily enough. I think it would just make your book soggy. Okay. So that is Jello Girls by Allie Robottom. And Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbue. Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Sarah wrote in, most people don't realize the military needs books. The United Services Organization does a lot of support for service members covering all five branches. Each br- base has a USO branch, and each branch has a free book room. Soldiers can go in, find a book they're interested in, take it free of charge, and either keep it or give it away or return it. There are two main ways to send books to the troops. Operation Paperback, which sends books to deployed troops, and books for the bases, which fills the USO branches on posts and airports and other places we will put a link to both of those in the show notes you can send either money or generally used slash new books books for bases also does outreach with veterans groups there are no restrictions but the uso specifically asks for books from the military professional reading list books that help soldiers build professional careers books for chaplains on counseling or books to assist veterans on healing mentally and physically one last thing these donations are tax exempt i had no idea yeah, it's really it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. It's super cool. So I have no idea. You're looking for another, we, we talk about it pretty frequently on the show, is places and ways to donate your books, but this is a great uh, other option to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So Fiona wrote in and said, uh, Bria was talking about the Read Harder Challenge. By the way, we got a lot of emails, people giving me suggestions for the Read Harder Challenge, and Thank you. They're super helpful. I went and read, I didn't read all the books. I read all about all of the books that people sent, and I'm going to be using them to pick books for the rest of the year for my Read Harder Challenge. So I super appreciate it. Also, I'd like to point out, so people, we get a lot of emails, and a lot of them are very long, and we realize it would be very difficult to read the entire emails on the listener feedback segment. So um, most of the things that we read on here are edited a little bit for length. So if Fiona was listening to this and was like, I wrote a much longer email. Fiona, I had to edit this, It is, but I hated doing it because it was a very sweet email. Okay, so back to Fiona. She said that um, she heard me talking about the Read Harder Challenge, and she decided to check it out. I went through the challenges of past years, and one year, the challenge included reading a book aloud to someone. My girlfriend and I have been dating for 10 months, which I think is pretty neat considering we are 17. Very cute. We love it. A couple of weeks ago, I suggested to her that we pick up a book to read aloud to each other, and she said she would love that. So cute. I'm dying over here. It's so cute. So I I went out and got Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. If you're not familiar, it's kind of a sapphic uh, Oliver Twist. We've only gotten one chance to read it so far, but it was fantastic. And we're both really excited to continue as soon as we're able. So cute. It's really adorable. I love that that they're reading Fingersmith. I love Sarah Waters. We're going to talk about it later in this episode, but that's part of why I put this Uh, feedback. Sarah Waters is a Welsh writer. Um, It's kind of a sexy book, right? 
I yes. Yeah, I don't even read. I saw the movie for the yes. the South Korean movie version. Yes, that's what I know about. Um, wow, I love that they've been dating for ten months and they're already thinking of cute couple things to do. Send us your cute couple bookish <gasps> activities. That's so true. Yes, door I'm open for coo- cute couple bookish activities. Me and Alan want more ideas of disgusting bookish couple things that we can do. <laughs> uh, so Alex wrote in with their wheelhouse. Uh, yes, great. This is a good one. Monstrous coming of age stories plus puberty is body horror. Uh, kid protagonists and scary stories, sentient houses, <laughs> changelings, fairy politics, trademarks, like fairy politics, capital F, capital P. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Trademark, fairy politics. Okay. All right. And oblivious adults. I feel like I have some suggestions for Alex. I love this. And by the way, the door is always open for wheelhouses too. We love a wheelhouse. These are the things that you, that if it's if a book is about that, you're like, I'm going to read that. Yes. That's the book I want to read. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. We're always down for your cute bookish couple activities in your wheelhouses. Also, a couple bookmarks this week. A, like many, many people sent us this Antarctica story that I figure we should say something about it on the show. If you did not read the news I don't over know the past about few it. weeks, uh, that's how you could tell that I check all the emails. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it was down in Antarctica. There was this man who was reading a book, and someone else who was at the research station kept spoiling the ending of his book, so he stabbed him to death. And wow. Someone posted it in the Reading Glasses group, and somebody, a bunch of people emailed it to us, and they were like, look at this Mallory. <laughs> this guy is a Mallory. And people Total wanted Mallory. Yeah, people wanted us to weigh in. Uh, I Also, the, our friend— You wanted us to weigh in? Yes. I don't think either of us are going to be pro-stabbing. Look, we're going to make a lot of jokes, but I don't think stabbing someone to death is okay <laughs> any time. Uh, we're yeah. talking about the death of a human being. Like, let's, like, take a moment. Uh, yeah, also our friends over at the Professional Book Nerds uh, sent this to us. Also, our friends over at the Professional Book Nerds are doing a 30-day book challenge for November, if you want to go over there and check it out. It's pretty fun. Uh, but yes, <laughs> uh I, while I do empathize with this man, I cannot endorse stabbing anybody ever. Maybe giving someone a swift kick in the shins. I don't know if I'm going to advocate violence. On, farting on their pillow. That's fine. Eating their breakfast cereal. I feel like this is what happens when you go to Antarctica and you're in like yeah, a base is, and it's like, like you got like winter fever or whatever they call it. The winter needs madness. to remake the thing, but instead of a monster, it's somebody who keeps spoiling <laughs> the end of people's books and it's me as McCready and I have to find them and get them in, in like fight them. I, I want this as a as a uh, remake of that John Carpenter yeah, I think movie. It works. Uh, also, after our Halloween comics episode with Ben Blacker, uh, Sheila wrote in to tell us that she was listening to the episode and wanted to tell us the New England mobile bookstore is not closed like me and Ben thought, but it's just relocated. Oh, good to know. Good to know for all the Massachusetts folks. Go find it. And our five-star review of the week is by Kelson Klinky, and they write, I'm currently reading How to Write an Autobiographical Novel by Alexander Chee. Oh, I want to read that. Me too. Uh, The book I always recommend to people is My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante. Is beautiful, surprising, fiery, and affecting. Or White Teeth by Zadie Smith. Hilarious, clever, great way to get into Zadie Smith. This podcast is truly lovely. The hosts have great rapport, and you can tell they truly love the books and want to spread that love to their audience. For a great starter episode, I love the one where they interview Guy Branham. We Ah. also love that episode because we love Guy. He's so great. Thank uh, you. Like we always say... Um, leaving a five-star review is a huge, huge help for us. It's a very quick, easy, free way to support the podcast and make a positive impact on how many listeners we have, how many guests we can get, the sponsors that we can get so we can help feed our cats. So thank you so much. And if you write a five-star review, we will try to read it on the show. Uh, So before we talk about UK literature, we're going to take a quick break. 
Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Graham. And we're two house DJs who have been trapped inside our drum machine. We love it here, and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on Stop Stop Podcasting Podcasting Yourself here on MaximumFun.org. We're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. And listen to our show or perish. (laughs) Stop podcasting yourself on MaximumFun.org. going across the pond that's what they say right that's what they say Uh, we're we're talking about literature from the uk so that's books by authors from wales great britain northern ireland and scotland remember ireland is not part of the united kingdom this just blew my mind we fought a very big war we fought a well i guess in ireland it was a small war but it it felt big to the irish people to not be part of the united kingdom but it's the republic of ireland it is not part of the uk but why is northern ireland part of the uk Oh, there's so much Irish history. Uh, Do you know I'm Irish also, by the way? (laughs) Northern Ireland is still loyal to Great Britain, and they wanted to stay part of that. And there was a big, very, very big conflict. Got it. A lot of people died. Got it. Uh, but yes, so not not the Republic of Ireland. So because the UK is English speaking, it can be really easy to forget that you're reading a book from a British or Welsh or Scottish author, especially if it doesn't take place in that country. It can be, it'd be easy to forget if you read in English. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> By the way. They, That's what we, I mean. There are people that listen to the show in all sorts of countries. Yes. Uh, but so this, we're specifically talking like as Americans, we often forget. Yes. Um well, also, like, I read The Heart's Invisible Furies last year by John Boyne, and I didn't realize that John Boyne was an Irish writer. Because mm. um, it take you know, when you're when you're an English-speaking person reading an English-speaking book, sometimes yeah. you can forget that there are other English-speaking places. Just like with some literature from Canada or Ireland, you might be reading a book from an author from another country and not even know it. Okay, so I have some facts about UK readers. Are you ready? Yes. Specifically about UK readers in an online poll. Um, UK voters said their favorite books were... Harry Potter series. Surprise, surprise. The Lord of the Rings series. Da Vinci Code. Fifty Shades of Grey. And The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That so was like the top. just like American readers. Just UK. Just like us. Um, uh, most literary, basically like the readingest city in the UK is Glasgow. Uh, with the average person clocking in at four hours and 16 minutes a week of reading. Wow. Which is a lot of reading. That means you're reading like an hour every day. No, it doesn't. It means you're reading less than an hour every day. But go Scotland. Yeah. Uh, the next uh, reading a city was Brighton, and then the next after that was Cardiff. Which is the capital of Wales. By the way, weirdly enough, I'd just been to Brighton and to Cardiff. Oh, yeah. I just went to both those places. And the people seemed very literary. There actually were a lot of um, bookstores in yes. Brighton. Yes, I remember you texting me about that. You are like, you should come here. There's so many bookstores There's here. so many bookstores. Uh, okay, and also um, women under 44... When they were like, who do you like best? They were like, J.K. Rowling. But uh, once you get over 44, they were like, Agatha Christie all the way, baby. That's what happens. That is what happens. You turn 44 and you all of a sudden. menopause and all of a sudden, you, Agatha, <laughs> you just need Agatha Christie. I, I am looking forward to that. Um, who goes through menopause at 44? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> but when do you go through menopause? Like older than that. Because, <laughs> you know, 44 is not that far from me. It's like almost 10 years away from you. No, it's seven years. I guess. Feels that's close. That's, I guess because John is in his 40s. 
I guess. Does John, does John like Agatha Christie? John loves Agatha Christie. <laughs> World War II and Agatha Christie. That's what happens when you turn over 40. All you want is <laughs> books about World War II and mysteries by Agatha Christie. Uh, so, Bria, what authors from the UK do you love? So, I literally didn't know. I had to Google it because I was just like, I don't know. Unless people are using words that we don't necessarily always use. you like know, black like pudding. <laughs> unless there, it's an entire book about black pudding <laughs> or they're calling... Uh, pub, bars, pubs, and they're calling bathrooms loos. Like, otherwise, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who's British and who's not, or who's in, from the UK. I don't know any of these things, right? Um, so I was like, so I went and looked through, and I was like, obvious ones are like J.K. Rowling, Neil Gaiman, people I really like. Um, but then also I was like, oh, I like Ruth Ware. She does really dark, cool thrillers. Um, I loved The Girl with All the Gifts, which I did know was British, but I only knew it because of the movie they made out of it was British. <laughs> I think it was British. Um, and then I also uh, read a lot of Nick Hornby. I've uh, never read him. Yeah, I was really into him. I mean, I guess I still am, but I started reading his books uh, maybe in college. And they're undeniably from the UK. Like, there are things. Everyone's in a loo eating black pudding. Everyone. Every scene. <laughs> I was trying wearing to a jumper. They're, they're wearing a jumper. <laughs> right. <laughs> This is very eating funny to us. Eating chips from a chip shop. Yes. They're eating fish and chips, and they are putting mayonnaise on them. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Which, uh, so I grew up Irish, so we put mayonnaise on things. And if you listen to our last episode, you know now I put them on my, my books. I grew up in Texas, so we put ketchup and ranch on things. Um, that's, um, anyway. Um, so so it was really actually kind of hard for me to, to think about this. Um, Alan Moore is, like, a really great comic book writer that I write. But I feel like... Americans associate um, UK lit with, like, required reading in high school. Charles Dickens. Yeah, it's like the Jane Austen. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like these kind of things where we're going to be reading them because it's, like, required reading. Because it's classic literature. Yeah, because it's been around longer than America. Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of us who are like, that's what I associated with still, which is not true. But when I was, like, thinking about it, and when, of course, you Google UK authors, it is mostly those kinds of people. What about you? I feel like you have a better answer for this. Uh, this actually happens to me also all the time. If I'm not careful, I can just assume a book is by an American author unless it's translated or, like, says something to that effect on the cover or the back of the book. I'll be reading, like, Naomi Alderman, who wrote The Power, yes. is is an English author or a British author. And I'll look it up and be like, oh, this author's from the UK. Cool. Like, I'm a big fan of authors like Sarah Perry, who wrote The Essex Serpent. Uh, Nicola Griffith, whose book So Lucky that was released this year just, like, fucked me up. I loved it so much. I read it in one sitting. Um, Glenn Duncan, who wrote my favorite werewolf book of all time, The Last Werewolf, uh, Helen Oyeyemi, um, Philip Pullman and Sarah Waters, who are Welsh. Like, I actually, I'm the same way. I like a lot of uh, authors from the UK, but, you know, I think this episode's a great uh, reminder to read a little bit more consciously. And just think of like, oh, just because it's English doesn't mean it's from America. It could be from Canada, could be from Wales, it could be from Ireland, it could be like, you know, just be a little more cognizant of, of uh, the stuff that you're reading. Yeah, in America, since we're so, we can be so American-centric, oh, you we're know? we're so horrible. We're, which at this time in history, well, maybe it's never good in any time in history, but particularly now, not a great time. A good time to be aware of other <laughs> countries. Um, always good to be aware of those kind of things. But I think that I do have this... This habit of like, yeah, unless they're, you know, in the loo, I don't know that people, I mean, it's that same thing with like British or 
Australian actors a lot of times where like I don't I I assume they're American because they're speaking in an American accent and then all oh, of a sudden Hugh Laurie uh, yeah all of a sudden yeah I watch yeah Hugh Laurie or somebody I'm like what what's happening Christian Bale like you know like yeah. people like that where I'm like shocked that they are not American um so this is like really it was really enlightening for me to go and look up who I had been reading and like oh that person is uh you know from Wales or whatever like that was really interesting yeah so if you're looking to read more authors from the UK but don't know where to start like say you're like us and you look over your reading and you're but you're like oh wait no I do mostly read American authors uh the man booker is a great way to start it's a book prize for an original novel written in English and published in the UK uh the man booker long list every year is definitely worth checking out for recommendations uh, and if you want to get more specific, there's the Whale Book of Wales Book of the Year, um, the Saltier Society Literary Awards, which, which gives out the Scottish Book of the Year, uh, the Costa Book Awards, which is for books published in Ireland and the UK. Uh, that's always our great tip on how to get good book recommendations is look for awards. Yeah, totally. And I actually went and looked at the Man Booker Prize after uh, while well, doing this, and there was there were a few that I like didn't know. I di- literally didn't know it was UK authors. I didn't know. Any of that stuff, and then and I had already read the books, and I was like, "Oh, interesting. Good yeah. to know. Good to know." So you can send your thoughts on UK literature to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Claire Hanscom, who does the Brit Lit Podcast and is going to school us on all kinds of uh, British literature, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Kira. So Max FunCon tickets go on sale this Friday, November twenty third, at eleven a.m. Pacific, and I'm trying to write a promo. Okay, so what do they need to know to look forward to? Inspiring classes. Live podcast tapings. Stand-up showcase. The s'mores party. Making new friends. Don't forget about the dance party! Oh, and it all takes place on a beautiful mountaintop. Okay, got it. Anything else? Well, if we missed anything, they can find all the details at maxfuncon.com. And And we'll we'll see see you in June. June! I think that went really well. That was really good, too. I really Yeah, that sounded good. So here we are with author and podcaster Claire Hanscom. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I've listened to this podcast for a long time, so this is really fun. Yay. Claire, what are you reading right now? I am reading From the Corner of the Oval, which is a memoir by Beck Dory Stein um, about her time at the White House, which I realize is not on brand for what I'm about to talk about, but, you know, it's real. <laughs> It is very timely. Uh, listeners don't realize this, but we are recording this on Election Day in the U.S., so it is very, very appropriate reading. <laughs> yes. Uh, so can you tell us about your show, The Britlet Podcast? Um, yeah, so I started The Britlet Podcast about a year ago, um, and I started it because I write for Book Riot, and I've listened to Book Riot podcasts for a long, long time, and... I love them, but they're very American, as they should be, because they're American-based. Um, and I realized after a while that I didn't really know anything about the UK book scene. And as you can hear from my accent, I am actually British. I live in the US and have lived here for six years. Um, and yeah, I suddenly realized I didn't know anything about the British book scene and that I re- was really craving a podcast with news and views about British books and publishing. Um, and I couldn't really find anything. So I decided to start something. And so that I started, first of all, a blog, the Britlet blog, and then uh, moved to a podcast about a year later. Awesome. What are some of your favorite British writers? 
So it's probably a little obvious to say Jane Austen, but I feel like I have to say Jane Austen, Jane Austen, Virginia Woolf, George Orwell. But in terms of contemporary writers, there's an author called Nina Stibby, who I really love. Um, She wrote the book Love Nina a few years ago, which was... um, um, sort of memoir slash letters of her time being a nanny in London in the 80s. And it's just a really heartwarming, easy read. And then she's sort of written a couple more books loosely based on her own life. Um, the next one is Man at the Helm, which is um, about a, a young girl whose mother is divorced and she's trying to find a man for her mum. And that's it's just kind of gently funny. It's not, I wouldn't say it's hilarious, but it's it's kind of gently funny in a nice British way. So she's great. And she's also wonderful to follow on Twitter. Um, And then other than that, I'm actually, I think you're going to ask me later about my quirks. And I guess I'm realizing this is one of my quirks is that when I love a book by an author, I'm really reluctant to read other books by the same author because I worry they're going to disappoint me. So I have favorite books rather than favorite authors. And I read a lot of great books this year. Um, Anatomy of a Scandal by Sarah Vaughan is one of my favorites of the year. Um, And that's about um, a politician who has to who's standing trial for rape. Um, And it's from the point of view of his wife and of the attorney who's um, prosecuting him. So that's just a little roundup of some of my favorites. Oh, those sound awesome. So as someone who reads a lot of British books and books written by American authors, how much translating goes on when British books are published in America? So it really depends. Um, And I don't, I think maybe there's more of a trend now for not translating them as much. Um, I actually find it quite annoying when they translate American, um, British books into American English. Um, Not so much when it's the narration, but when it's the dialogue or the thoughts of a character. Um, A British character is not going to think sidewalk. They're not going to think diapers. And I think that Americans can be given a bit more credit for being able to figure out what is happening from context cues rather than panic because there's one word they don't know. And also these days with Harry Potter and the Great British Baking Show and everything like that, um, lot, you know, lots of British words are better known and maybe that's why it's changing a little bit. Um, yeah, so I got a bit stubborn about this about a couple of years ago and I would, rather than take a free advance review copy from American publicists, I would buy the British version and have it shipped over, which was a little ridiculous. Um, But then this year I realized that actually a lot of the books were not being changed as much. So, and plus I just got over myself and decided to read the American, the free American version instead. Oh, that's really funny. So for listeners who are in America and they're looking to find more British literature, what are some resources for them? The Guardian Books website is really good. Um, it's kind of international in scope, but because the Guardian, the Guardian is based in the UK, it has more British stuff than America than international stuff based in the US, for example, might have. Um, they do a podcast, and they also have lots of articles every day about various aspects of the book industry. If you really want to go deep into the weeds, the bookseller is the equivalent of Publishers Weekly. Um, so that's where you find new book deals, you know, people who've signed new book deals and the weekly book chart, which is a good way of finding out what's popular in the UK. Um, and then there's all kinds of great podcasts. So I mentioned the Guardian Books. There's also BBC Books and Authors. Um, there's a podcast I love called The High Low, which isn't specifically books. Uh, it's news and culture, but they talk about books a lot. It's hosted by two super smart, super funny women who read a lot. Um, so I find out about a lot of books that way. 
Um, but yeah, I wrote a piece about this for Book Riot. So I think you're going to put something in the show notes so that people can find more resources. And then, of course, there's my blog and my podcast, the Britlet blog and the Britlet podcast for finding out what's coming out and what's happening in British publishing. Sometimes it's very similar to what's happening in American publishing, but sometimes it's a little different. So, yeah, I think I was making the mistake as as a Brit living in America who should have known better. I was kind of making a general assumption that, oh, it's kind of probably all the same, but it's not actually exactly the same, unsurprisingly. So tell us about your reading life. I know that you, if you like an author, you will only read one book by them. Do you have any other reading quirks? Um, I am obsessive with my books. They basically have to look like they've never been touched. Um, so that makes it difficult to travel with them. And it makes it, I suppose, difficult to read them fast because it makes it difficult to just transport them as I go about my life. Um, ebooks are much less stressful though. So yeah, if I'm traveling, I always read ebooks. Um, and I'm a really slow reader, which is frustrating because I spend a lot of time reading and I feel like I should be getting through more books because there are so many books. Um, but yeah, I guess that's probably it. I couldn't think of anything more exciting than that. But <laughs> Do you have a particular book that you love to give to people? Yes. Um, so it's not a British book. Sorry, again, not on <laughs> brand. Um, <laughs> but it's a book called Come to the Edge. And it's a memoir by somebody called Christina Haig, um, which is spelled H-A-A-G. And it's the story of her friendship and love affair with John Kennedy Jr., um, and it's just a really beautifully written book. You might think, oh, celebrity memoir, it's not going to be very good, but it's just beautifully written. It's just a lovely love story and obviously quite heartbreaking as well. Um, and it's the kind of book that I feel really gets me and speaks to me somehow viscerally. And so if I want people to really understand me, then I give them that book. But I'm also really careful about not just giving it to anyone because it's a book that if somebody turned around and said, oh, I don't know, I didn't really like it that much, it would kind of crush me, um, which I don't feel like that about most books. But with that one, I, I would find that really difficult. So I give it a lot. I give it out a lot, but I selectively give it out. And so speaking of books, you have a book coming out. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So I have a novel coming out in April called Unscripted, and it's about a young woman with a celebrity crush who... Um, wants to get the celebrity crush to marry her. And so she has an elaborate plan. She's going to write a novel um, and the celebrity crush is going to somehow read the novel and want to write the script and they're going to write the script together and they're going to fall in love. That is her plan. Um, it may or may not happen. You'll have to read the book to, to find out. Uh, it's called Unscripted. It comes out on the 4th of April from a British publisher called Unbound. Um, it should be up to pre-order relatively soon, but you can go to unscriptednovel.com to find out, you know, to pre-order it and find out when it's going to be available. That sounds so good and juicy. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. So Claire, where can we find you online? Um, so I have a million Twitter accounts. So the easiest thing to do is for you to go to at Bookish Claire on Twitter, and then that account will point you to all the other ones. Um, and yeah, otherwise, all the BritLit stuff is at, Brit at BritLit Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Katie writes in, I have a bookish problem. My wish list is mega, massive, humongous, very, very long. Since my birthday and candle nights are both coming up, how do I point anyone who might get me a gift over the next two months to my Amazon list without being too pushy or seeming greedy or socially unacceptably direct? Okay, so first of all, I didn't know what candle nights was. Neither did I. And I think it means Hanukkah. Because she said two months. 
I don't, maybe be. she means Hanukkah, or maybe she means a holiday that my brother and my brother and me made up, which is in February. But that's not two months away. Yeah, but you have to sign up for it, like, right now. I just looked it up. Oh. Uh, you so have to sign up for it? You sign up for it, and then you send a gift to somebody, and they send a gift to somebody, and, like, there's a whole thing. Oh. But I don't know how she would share it. I didn't understand this very well. So I didn't understand. I didn't know how she would share her wish list with those people anyway, if it was that. So it made me think, maybe Hanukkah. I have no idea. I don't know. I just have never heard Hanukkah called Candle Nights, but maybe this is a holiday we just like are not aware of. I, you know that I only care about Halloween, so <laughs> I have a hard time with this. Um, yeah, so anyway, but there are holidays co- approaching. Quickly approaching holidays. Birthdays. Christmas. Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. A, a holiday made up by a podcast called <laughs> Candle Nights. <laughs> Podcasts are very important, Bria. <laughs> uh, Travis McElroy, who was on the show, I guess, was involved in that. Yes. Anyway, so what do you think, Mallory? Uh, I don't think it's rude at all to mention stuff like this. Um, send out a mass email, I think, with people, BCC'd, not CC'd, to mm. your family and say, hey, my birthday's coming up. And if you want to get me a gift, here's my Amazon wish list full of books I want. I think what people need to remember is that most of the time, people want to get you something. And when they want to get you something, they really want some guidance. You know, Think about every single time you've ever asked somebody what they want for their birthday and for Christmas, and they're like, I don't know. And you're like, oh, just tell me. People like knowing what to get you. And books are a perfect present because they you can get them for under $20. They're very easy to wrap. Uh, and- <laughs> they are easy to wrap. They're great. They're squares. <laughs> rectangles. Rectangles. They're rectangles. <laughs> and that makes them easy to wrap. Yes. You're not trying to wrap like a golf club. A diamond, diamond encrusted bunny rabbit. Or- yeah, sure. Great. I actually, that's what I want. I you want scratch, my, scratch my wish list. I want a diamond encrusted bunny rabbit. Um, and this makes you uncomfortable. Fold it into an email that says where or when you're going to celebrate or if not at all. Just be like, hey, you can meet me at this bar for my birthday. If you want to get me something, here's my Amazon wish list. And f- same thing for your friends. You can also post it on your social media so you don't have to, like, feel like it's super direct. Again, most of the time, people you love really want to do something nice for you for your birthday or for Christmas. And they really appreciate the help. Here's the only thing about posting it on your social media. If I was, which I'm not on Facebook, but if I was on Facebook and someone was like, here's my birthday. My birthday's coming up. But it was like a, not a super close friend. I would feel weird because I'd be like, am I required to get something from this list? I would start to feel that way. That's my only thing about social media, the social media posting. Oh, but then like they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know that I saw it and then yeah. was like, that's I'm what, not going to that, get anything. That's what I mean. It's not, I don't think it's, they can't check who saw that post. Right. That's true. That's true. I guess that's true. So that means that the people who want to get you a gift have the option of looking at it and the people who don't can have the option of not. Got got it. I see. So it's more like just out there. Yeah. Bria, what should Katie do? I, I mean, I agree with you. I think I, I actually really struggle to buy gifts for people. It is not my strong point buying gifts. So I don't buy that many gifts for people because I just panic and give up. That's like my go-to is I'm just like, you know what? Here's my panic. I'm panicked. That's what I made you and for And I have friends that give me great gifts every year and then I never get them anything because I'm like, I don't know what this person wants. Like I get like too panicky. Um, you always get me good gifts because you always I? just get me book stuff. Yeah, I just get you book Wait, stuff. It's very easy for you, uh, you and I to get books well, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, book yeah, stuff yeah. for each other. And and then you can also talk about them on the podcast. And then I feel like it's like a twofer. <laughs> um, so I recently made my mom and my brother make an Amazon wish list. So I went to them and I said, hey, 
I never know what to get you guys for holidays. Please make an Amazon wish list. Here's mine. So you're on the opposite side of this. You're like, bitch, get me an Amazon yeah, wish list. I asked for it, but I shared mine at the same time. And the thing is, before a holiday, I just go and make sure it's kind of updated and there's things on it. And then people always have it. Like that wish list doesn't go away once you've made it. I yeah. mean, I guess if you deleted everything, but like people can always go back and access it. Like it's really easy on your Amazon account yeah. to see other people's wish lists. Um, so I, it made, it made it easy for me and it made it easy for them. And like my mom, like when I moved into this house I'm living in now, she was like, send me a robe, you know, like, like she, she knows there's things on there and she knows there's always something on there she can buy, buy me, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and then also super helpful for like, yeah, like my brother who buys books all the time and I never know which book he wants to get. So it's like, which books he already has. Yeah. And so it helps because he has this wish list going and he has like tons of pages on there so it's like really easy I can find things of like all levels which I think is the other key with a wish list like make sure you have stuff on there that's five dollars yeah if you have a wish list and it's full of like big ticket items maybe don't send it to people but if it's full like like Katie said if it's full of books then it's, that's a great easy present for somebody to get for you yeah and I think yeah it's the same rules as like a wedding registry like make yeah, sure you have when you're marrying a book make sure you have the thing that like holds a napkin a napkin holder you know, like something I cheap. I've never for had one of those. Like, in my you know life. what I mean? Like, there's yeah. like always really cheap, weird stuff on wedding registries. And when I don't know someone super well, I'm like, yeah, I'll just get them a, uh, you know, a, a small plate from this set they want, like yeah. this seven dollar plate. Whereas, like, you know, with the front I know really well, I'm like, no, I will go in for the car seat. That's a baby registry. Whatever. You get the for idea. For when you're marrying a baby. Yes. <laughs> So get him a car seat so he can ride uh, next to you in the car. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think that like having a wish list available for people is actually a, like a nice thing to do. Yeah. I think what Katie needs, the, the big thing that Katie needs to do and anyone like, you know, it's November, bunch of holidays are coming up. What you need to, the speed, speed bump you need to drive over is that feeling like get, making a wish list and, and putting it out there for people is you being like, I want you to get, get me gifts. Like, no, most the people who care about you want to get you something it may, this is making their lives easier. Yeah. And it doesn't, no one's, I don't think anyone is going to be out there going, look at Katie. She made an Amazon wish list. Who does she think she is? But I think, like, you can definitely use that Bria method if you're feeling weird about it, where you go to people and you go, hey, I'd love you to make a list. Here's mine. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, just say, hey, the holidays are coming up. I love you. I would love, I don't know what to get you. Here's my list. I would love for you to make me one of, like, yeah. This is also a really good time to plug the fact that we have a reading glasses wish oh, list. Oh, we totally do. That I, it's always in the show notes. Uh, and um, it's mostly full of stuff that we want to test out for book tech. It's like full of like weird teas and candles and book holders. And like so and there's definitely stuff that's on there that's really cheap. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, we can test for book tech. And if you have ideas for us, we can always add stuff to that list too. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast and gmail.com. And speaking of show notes, I know I talked about this last episode, but I'm going to say it again because we get so many emails about it. Remember, there are always show notes. So if you're listening to the show in Apple Podcasts, just scroll down and everything that we're talking about is in there. It's all the links of every book we're talking about, the books that we're reading, links to the author that we've uh, interviewed that show, um, link, like links to their books. If we mention a news story or mention something, it'll the link will be in there. Um, and those book, if you if we talk about a book and you click on the link in the show notes, we are an official affiliate of IndieBound. So if you end up buying that book, it supports indie bookstores and we get a tiny percentage of it. It's a yep. great way to support the show and indie bookstores at the same time. If you don't listen in Apple Podcasts, go to MaximumFun.org, find a reading classes page. There's a page for every single episode. 
Hopefully, I will no- never get another angry email about someone who's complaining about oh, the fact you that will. I will. And it makes me, it breaks my heart because I spend so much time <laughs> every, I spend like an hour every week making this list. And then people are like, what's wrong with you guys? Why won't you list all the books you're talking about? And I'm like, I did. <laughs> I posted every week. Also, uh, we don't know. We're just talking. We're we're just talking out of our ass. Yeah. We may br- mention a book. We won't remember to say it later. You gotta check those show notes for when we listen to <laughs> re-listen to our episodes. Uh, so, as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Uh, remember, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags, and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. Link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. We are planning something exciting for when we get to six hundred reviews. We are. I think we're at like five hundred. 120 something now i'm checking right now but our internet is too slow so when we get to 600 we're going to do something fun we haven't decided what if you want to put your we posted on our twitter and our facebook but if you want to email us with some cool ideas you can always do that we're at 528 Ooh. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our book adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening, and, and thanks, thanks for reading. All these works of the imaginative inventions unfortunately got into chronicles, which were made into books, which everybody respected and believed, principally because they were thick, hard to hold, tedious, and old. And they got into legends, those tales that everybody says they don't believe in because they can't take them seriously, and that everybody believes in precisely because they can't take them seriously. And they were sung in ballads, which are insidious because they pass so easily about town squares and the ports and the dance halls. And none of it was true, none of it, none of the romantic origins, none of the melodious and fantastical names. I'm the one who can tell you what really happened, because it's the storyteller's job to speak the truth, even when the truth lacks the brilliance of invention and has only that other beauty which stupid people call mean and base. From Kalpa Imperial, The Greatest Empire That Never Was, by Angelica Gorodischer, translated by Ursula K. Le Guin. MaximumFun.org Comedy and Culture Artist owned. Listener supported.